I was thinking the other day of, uh, as I was preparing this message, of a man uh, who fought in World War II, and they made a movie about his life, uh, but he and his battalion uh, were going to fight uh, on the Battle of uh, Okinawa in World War II, and it was their job to uh, traverse a cliff and engage the enemy at the top of the cliff. And what they didn't know, though, is they were climbing the cliff. They knew it would be rough. They knew it would be difficult. They knew it would be hard. But what they didn't know is the enemy had uh, dozens and dozens of tunnels all throughout the top part of that cliff. And so as they engaged the enemy once they got to the top of the cliff, the enemy started popping out all over the place because of these tunnels. And so they started getting attacked from every which way. They didn't know where the enemy was coming next. And so the Americans who were fighting this battle, this particular battle on this particular day, uh, just got overwhelmed. And uh, a bunch of men were killed, and many, many more were wounded. And the American commanders watching this, hearing this, told the American troops, pull back, retreat, let's regroup uh, come down the cliff, let's go back to camp, let's regroup, and then we'll come back with a new game plan tomorrow. And so they retreated. But in doing so, there were dozens and dozens of men wounded still on the battlefield. And the enemy were coming out of their tunnels to take care of those who were wounded uh, in a uh, not-so-kindly fashion. Well, there was a medic who stayed on the top of that cliff that day. He was a man named Desmond, and uh, as those men on, on that battlefield, the Americans on that battlefield, were, began to succumb to loneliness, despair, and think in their minds, I am all alone. They watched wounded on the field, watched their, 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 their friends retreat and leave them lying there, and they're thinking, I'm all alone, there's nobody to help me, but there was. This young man named Desmond was a faithful follower of Jesus, and he made a commitment that he would not carry a gun into battle. Instead, he would carry a Bible. And so not carrying a gun there on the battlefield is dangerous enough. But then he is darting around the battlefield, going to, up to these men who are thinking in their minds, I am all alone, there's no way out. Desmond begins to drag them one by one off the field, all the while getting shot himself. He's dragging these men off the field, one by one. And he begins to pray as he's dragging them off the field, Lord, please, just one more. Lord, please, just one more. Let me get just one more. These men who are desperate, thinking they're alone, but they're not alone. God had placed this man there on the top of the hill to rescue them because they were not alone. Desmond ended up dragging 75 guys off the battlefield that day. The guys, they had lookouts at the bottom of the cliff while everyone was back at camp recouping. And they began to radio back at camp and say, hey, men are being lowered down the cliff, and we don't know how or who is doing it. There are our guys who are wounded just coming in streams down the cliff. And so they began to send people to bring those guys back to the camp. And soon they realized from the stories of the wounded men that Desmond was still up on the top of the cliff doing this all by himself, pulling men from the field rescuing 75 guys that day and they got taken back and they were saved even though they had thought they were alone they were not and what we're going to see today is something very interesting 
is many times we may feel like we are alone and that nobody knows our situation and how difficult it can be for us. Nobody, nobody knows the pain we're feeling. Nobody knows the struggle. Nobody really knows but us. But God does. God does. And that's why he sent Jesus. And so we're going to look at Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. It'll be on the screen, uh, or if you are in the room, you want to use a pew Bible there. It's on page uh, 857. Luke chapter 2. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. So the government issues this decree, you got to go and be registered to pay your taxes, and this region of the uh, Roman government decided the way you would do that is you would go back to your ancestral home, and you would register for your taxes there. And so Joseph does this, and he takes Mary with him, uh, who he was betrothed to there in verse 5, and she was pregnant, she was with child, verse 6. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and I think... I've, I've probably said this before, but I think, you know, this was written by Luke, who was a doctor, but he was also a man. And so if you could ever sum up the time to give birth in a more uh, succinct and uh, 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 less compassionate way, it would be in the way Luke describes it there. Uh, can I get an amen from the women who have had children? <laughs> right? He says, and the time came for her to give birth. Matter, very matter-of-factly, like it's very easy, no big deal. And that's the way he says it. Time came for her to give birth. Verse 7, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Now, whether you believe in Jesus or not, you've heard the Christmas story in some capacity. Whether you just like Charlie Brown, you've heard this before. And it can seem routine. Hey, I've heard the Christmas story. I know Jesus, Mary, they do the donkey. They go to Bethlehem. There's no room in the inn. And so they end up staying, you know, where there's animals, a stable, possibly a barn, possibly a cave. We don't know. Possibly the courtyard there at the inn. But they're there and there's animals around. There's no place for them. And they lay Jesus in the manger. And it seems all nice and sweet and everything. But it was anything but that. You know, expectations of having a child are one thing in your mind, and when it's something like this, I mean, imagine the anticipation you have of having your child, your first child, and this is the way that child comes into the world. I mean, Joseph is a carpenter. I imagine maybe he had already made the crib, and it was at home, and he was prepared and ready, and instead of that, he puts the baby Jesus, the Son of God, in a manger, a feed trough with hay and animal slobber all over the place, and lays Jesus there. And when you really try to process and understand what's happening, the circumstances of Jesus' birth point to all kinds of things. The circumstances of Jesus' birth point to poverty. There's no place for them. They, they don't, they're homeless in this moment. It points to loneliness. No one's standing up for them. No one is saying, well, we will, you're, you, you know, you're, you're pregnant. We, we will let you have this room. Nobody's looking out for them. And it's rejection. They've been rejected by the innkeeper. They've been rejected 
by anyone around seeing. I mean, if they're, you know, out where the animals are, undoubtedly other people saw them in their situation, but nobody stops to help. Nobody stops to bring them into their house. They're just there. So you've got poverty. You've got loneliness. You've got rejection. And that's how Jesus entered the world. That's how Jesus started his life here on the earth. Verse 8. So we jump from that, poverty, loneliness, rejection, to this situation with some shepherds. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And so we're introduced to shepherds. And shepherds, by occupation and reputation, were, were not thought of very well on a general sense. We don't know how these, I mean, these guys could have been upstanding citizens and great. But just as a social class, people just didn't like shepherds because they tended to steal stuff. They tended to not think of anybody else's property as that person's property, but as community property. Uh, and they would wander around and do things like that. But uh, whether or not these shepherds were that kind of way, we don't really know. All we know is we have some shepherds. We come from the, the introduction of Jesus into the world and loneliness and poverty and rejection. And we go out into the field to find some shepherds who would have been rejected by society and culture and looked down upon just as a whole. And they're out there in the field, and they have an appearance. Verse 9. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Now, it's, it's, it's hard for us today to really pick, put ourselves in that kind of fear. You know, I don't know about you, but have you ever been out in the field? And Raise your hand. Have you ever been out in the field, and an angel appeared to you? And the glory of the Lord shone around you with great brightness. Okay, I, I, I assume nobody, but I wasn't going to, you know, just say nobody's done that before. I mean, so these guys are out there in the field. Have, have you ever been alone in your house and you felt like somebody was there with you? Yeah, okay. It's that kind of sensation, but it's an angel, okay. And so the angel all of a sudden appears right in the middle of these guys, bright light shining everywhere. So naturally this is fear-inducing as they're out there in the field. And the angel says to them, verse 10, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And so the angel starts right off the bat. I've got good news of great joy, and it's the Messiah. It's the Son of God. The one that the world's been anticipating for thousands and thousands of years, he's here. This is the night. Right now, this is the moment. And so whatever the education of these shepherds was, we, we don't know, but they would have known that the Messiah was coming at some point. And now this angel has appeared to them, the rejects of society, and says, it's here. It's happening right now, and I'm telling you about it. I've been sent by God to you in your field to tell you about this moment. Verse 13. Suddenly there was an, uh, with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. There's with the angel a heavenly host, and they're singing, they're saying, they're, they're chanting, they're shouting, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. That's a heavenly host. This isn't an angel choir, all right? A heavenly host, what that literally means is these are the heaven, this is the heavenly army, all right? So have you ever heard, you know, guys from the army chant and sing? Do they sing all of them very, very well? Guys who've served in the military, do they sing very well? Your army buddies, they sing well. 
Not generally, right? Oh, yeah, I got testimony right there, Bobby. Thank you. Thank you. That's not you. I know you sing like an angel, right? There we go. Okay, good. <laughs> but I roomed with a Marine. I know. Some, not everybody is, has a voice of an angel. And so this is them. That's, I think that's also why it says they said this. They chanted this. They, they shouted this kind of like probably, you know, an army chant or, you know, a military chant. And they're saying this. And these are the, I mean, these are warrior angels. This is a heavenly host. These are bad dudes, all right? Revelation chapter 19, uh, uh, Revelation chapter 12, excuse me. These were the guys fighting with Michael, kicking Satan out of heaven, okay? These are, these are serious guys. And they appear all around the shepherds in the field. I mean, this is a massive group of people appearing next to the shepherds, and they began to shout this, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. They shout it over and over and over in celebration. They're excited. This is a great moment of victory. And then they leave, verse 15. So all this is, we don't know how long this went on. This, this is what's amazing to me. This could have gone on for like an hour. These guys, these military angels dancing around the field just in celebration of what's, what's happening. The Son of God has come. And, and I just, I mean, you, you can only imagine what the shepherds were doing in that moment, you know. I mean, just, just shriveled up in fear. They begin to get bolder and, and more brave as the time went on. And then begin to stand up and really listen to what's happening and take in what's happening. And then the angels all of a sudden are gone. Verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. So these guys go to Bethlehem, begin to search the town, find Mary and Joseph and the baby, Jesus, in the manger. Verse 17, When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So they, these shepherds experienced the glory of God. They experienced in one moment the love of God as well. I mean, think about it. Jesus has been born, and the first birth announcement to go out is to shepherds in the field. Not to a king, not to a governor, not to the religious leaders. It comes to shepherds. These guys would have been the last on any list. Like if you run out of birth announcements to send out, then these guys would have been cut. You know, they, they would have been down there at the bottom. They wouldn't have been on that list. But here they are, and they're the first ones that Jesus comes to, uh, that God sends the messengers to with this message. He sends it to them. And so wherever you may find yourself, at the end of 2020, at Christmas, wherever you find yourself in your family with your experience and your emotions and the things that are flowing through you, even now, as you sit there in these green pews or you sit at home on your couch watching this, wherever you find yourself, Jesus can bring you through whatever you're in because he's been there. He's been there. He entered the world in poverty, loneliness, and rejection. He entered the world with a king trying to kill him, a king ended, who ended up killing every male child under the age of two trying to kill one. He entered the world with that. 
He knows what you're going through. He knows that experience. He knows it. And yet, he still can, he will walk along beside you and pull you through it. You know, even if you get to the end of this year and you get to Christmas and Christmas is here and you feel exhausted, almost like, like emotionally, you, you've been trying to, 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 to run through a swimming pool. Anybody ever try to run through a swimming pool? You get very, very tired. But it's trying to run through a swimming pool while you race an Olympic swimmer. It's that kind of exhaustion, but emotionally. And you're spent, and you're giving, you're, you're giving up, and you want to be, you say, I am through. I am done. This is over. I can't handle it anymore. I can't go through it anymore. I don't know what else is there is. And I, and, and I don't know how to communicate what I'm going through. It's just there. And I'm wiped. I'm battle-weary. This year, this Christmas, you may have nothing left. You may be battle-weary. You may be exhausted and spent. Like you, you just can't, you're just barely putting one foot in front of the other. You're just crawling to get to the next day and the next moment. And you don't know how to function beyond that. You can't think about February. You can't think about January because you can't think about Saturday yet. It's such a struggle, such a difficult thing. Just trying to get through, just trying to get through you may feel like you're through with it all. You may feel like you're through. But Jesus is right there with you. He's right there with you, and he will bring you through what you feel like you're through with, and he will walk with you, and he will never leave you or forsake you, Hebrews 13, 5. He will uh, uh, always be with you to the very end of the age, Matthew 28, 20. He is there. It's a guaranteed promise that he will be with you. He's with you now. We've seen in the life of Jonah, I mean, Jonah straight up ran 1,000 miles away from where God wanted him to go, and he ended up jumping off of a boat, getting swallowed by a big fish, and God was with him in the belly of a fish. All he had to do was turn to him, and he was there with him the whole time. So wherever you find yourself, God's with you. Even if you feel alone, Jesus has been there. Even if you feel rejected, Jesus has been there. Even if you feel exhausted and you can't go another step because you're just wiped out, you feel emotionally raw, Jesus has been there. He's with you. He knows what you're going through, and he can walk you through it because he's been through it. He has overcome the world. You will have trouble while you are here. But we can take heart. We can find courage. We can find strength because he's overcome the world. And these shepherds going through the, the cultural issues that they go through, they received a messenger from the Lord, came to them in their field with good news of great joy that would change them. So much so that when they returned to their normal you ever heard somebody this year say, I just can't wait to get back to normal? When the shepherds return to normal, it's anything but normal. Not because the situation's changed, but because they've changed. They went back right to the field that they had left. But it was different because they were different. It was different because they had seen Jesus. It was different because Jesus visited them, and they experienced that. They went back praising God and telling everyone what they had experienced. They were different. 
in the same way that a messenger came to them. God sent me as a messenger to you to tell you good news of great joy. God came as Jesus to die so all your sins would be forgiven. And then he rose from the dead so that you can live after you die. And he did all that. He came at Christmas for that moment, for that experience, for that. And that's why we celebrate. That's why. So wherever you are, turn to Jesus. You may say, everything in my life is great. I am hunky-dory. Everything's fine. And you can be the only person on the face of the earth who 2020 has been a banner year for you. Great. Turn to Jesus. Pride's a sin, too. (laughs) You may be lying to yourself. That if you find yourself in this boat of Mary and Joseph and Jesus and these shepherds, whether you're lonely, whether you're rejected, whether, you know, whether you're in poverty financially or emotionally or, 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 or wherever you are in your life, Jesus is there with you. You're not alone. 